know Your ass better call somebody It is the annual New Year's Eve Ball Drop, episode 29 of the podcast. It is the Eve's Racine pod. How about that? There you go. Frankie Knuckles, the gas man. Frank, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. It's the holidays. I've been sick for most of it. In bed quite a bit, aside from Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but just got a ton of snow. It's freezing cold. It is very cold. So I've been... Watching movies in bed and popping on so many ultra high definition movies, <laughs> rewatching everything. Valerian is a revelation on UHD. Life is good. Are you eating a lot of soup? Uh, I did have quite a bit of soup actually. Well, soup's important when you're sick. Ginger ale as well. Lots of ginger ale. Speaking of uh, sick, I uh, on the way home today I stopped uh, at a place in Hamilton called uh, Granddad's. It's, a, okay. it's a, kind of a famous local donut place. Their um, their donuts are, you know, a big step above your regular donut shop donuts. They're not like super gourmet. They're just baked fresh every okay. day, tasty. And so I go in there to get a coffee, and I, I decide to get a donut while I'm there. And and this kid who's serving me, he's a young guy. He's probably. 16, 17, probably the grandson of the granddad, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, and this place has like the donuts that you can't get anywhere, like, like the orange twist and the walnut crunch. And so has this place been around a long time? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah. And for quite some time, maybe the sixties and seventies, I think. Uh, so he reaches for the donut and, uh, I got a raisin twist. And uh, as he turns around, as he puts the donut in the bag, I'm I'm not exaggerating. And I want you to understand that I'm not exaggerating. There is a two-inch hang of snot from his nose. <laughs> and then he sniffs it up right there as he's holding my donut. And I said, actually, I'm good. And yeah, I, you shut her down? I shut the whole thing down, even the coffee. And I left. Wow. I wasn't rude or angry, but it was kind of gross. See, stuff like that doesn't bother me. I still would have really? got the donut. Yeah. What if there was an accidental drippage on your donut? But you, there wasn't because you yeah, saw it the whole time. But when he turned around, it was hanging. So I don't know oh, when I he was see. facing the donut I misunderstood rack. the turn. Yeah. See, when he turned around, it was there. Yeah, okay. So I don't know if there was any drippage before that. Yeah, because you don't want to say, can I have another donut? Right. And he's like, why? Well, well you've because it's not running yeah, down. I know. mean, and who knows what's so on his hands. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just a raisin twist anyway. Go get, a, get yourself a nice chocolate dip. But there was that's the only place to get a raisin twist, and I was very sad. So I ended up going to uh, Tim Hortons. And your donut selection was? Only enough a chocolate dip. Nice, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> the classic. Uh, so I was thinking of you yesterday. Uh-oh. And the show in particular. Hi. Because I was, you know, feeling better. Uh, and what do you do when you feel better? You go to bingo. 
Well, <laughs> so all I went, right. Well, um, I I uh, usually get my grandmother bingo gift certificates for Christmas, and I went with her and my mother to bingo. And I'd forgot I'd I'd seen this before, and it never really sunk in. Uh-oh. I don't know how. So at this particular bingo, there is a side game where you buy a, a card with like pull tabs with different balls from bingo. Okay. Right. So there's your actual card and then you get this little pull tab with five things. And if during a game you pull all five, you call the name of this game and you say balls. Nice. <laughs> so this, you have to play balls, right? You've perfected yelling balls. True. You can sneak it in anywhere. <laughs> It just commands attention. You, this game was made for you. Yeah. I feel like you're destined to win. I might have to check that out then. But I, I would be tempted just to yell it though. No, you even, can't. Even when I'm not, you winning. can't pull a my my girl. No, I don't get that reference. The movie My Girl. It was my favorite thing. They go to watch. Her dad is about to kiss. Uh, who is it? Anna Klumsky? Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, she's, she's the daughter. At bingo or is that something the, is like that? Is that how you pronounce it? Anna Klumsky. Yeah. Klumsky? Yeah. And so she yells out, bingo, like an old person, and ruins the game, and everyone loses their shit. She yells out, bingo, when they're about to make out? Yeah. I think they're going to kiss or something like that. Oh. She wants to ruin her dad's date. Oh, I see. I don't recall that. Oh, I've been... I don't think I've watched that since 1993, and I've been dying to rewatch it for about 20 years. Is that available on 4, 4K? <laughs> I don't believe so. If it was, would you get it? Pro- if the price is right, yeah. yeah. It'd probably be fourteen ninety nine. so yeah, that's pretty undeniable. I think there's a need for that. Is that the right term, 4K? Am I getting that yeah, right? Yeah, Columbia's catalog releases are around fourteen ninety nine. so be a no-brainer. You remember the uh, studio? I believe it's Columbia. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. It might not be. It might be Fox, though. Uh-oh. Um, well, that well, means Disney owns it now. We need to know who distributed My Girl. Let's see here. Come on. No. Yeah, Columbia. Wow. That is impressive. I don't know how I know. I think it's by knowing what the spine of VHS looked like. Anywho. So we've got a pretty good show for this uh, New Year's Eve celebration. I'm very excited about it. Well, and today the World Juniors is going on in Buffalo. Yeah. Outdoors. Yep. One game. Not very busy. Probably not. It's very cold out. And they've gotten a lot of snow in Orchard Park. Yes. The week, and I think they were supposed to get more today. But you, they were wearing Bills jerseys. They, that must have made you excited. Yeah, except everyone on Twitter is saying, why would you pick the Bills? Why wouldn't you? Like, I hate ganging up on the Bills. But they're in Buffalo. Yeah. What's the big deal? That would make sense. That's yeah. what people do. When you're in the city, other people wear that jersey. They have it in Buffalo because they know Canadians are insane for junior hockey for yep. some ridiculous reason and will go there and spend money. So at least give the Bills a fucking nut. I agree. I don't, I'm not arguing with you. Right. <laughs> okay, that's all. But I haven't watched a minute of junior hockey. That's okay. Know, have you? Yes. I know you haven't, though. You never do. Is it good? All right. Okay. Just curious. Uh, so we are going to talk a little bit about the NFL. Mm-hmm. We're going to you know, maybe touch on the NBA. 
a little touching. Just a little. Just a little. And we've got uh, two film reviews. We're going to talk about Battle of the Sexes. And we're going to talk about the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about it. Just to talk about it. I, uh, I don't, I don't want to reveal too much, but right. no, I don't want to bring I, the party down. No, no. I understand. Um, but I'm all about a, a good Ric Flair promo. He is. I like Ric Flair a lot. Do you? I didn't. It's weird. When he came into the WWE, I only knew WWF. That's sure. it. Me too. I had no knowledge of WCW. Like, I knew it existed. It was like, that's welfare wrestling. Got it. <laughs> but I remember Ric Flair briefly coming into the WWF. And when you're a kid, I wasn't like, didn't know what was actually happening behind the scenes. And I remember him being like gone immediately. I'm like, what happened to that Ric Flair guy? Mm. And the documentary answered all sh- those shed some questions. light on that stuff. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilt liquor in <laughs> bars from this side of the world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. And I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! I like the alligators. Yeah. I just made that up. Did you really? No. Okay. I thought it sounded memorized. <laughs> I was impressed by the memorization, but I I've, you know, I've, I think I would have been more impressed with uh, the improv. That was from like the late 80s. Yeah. And I remember that. He's a good uh, hype man. So He's what do you want to do for a presentation? Uh, let's talk NFL briefly. All right. Because so- it's pretty much over. The league's done. Pretty much over. You are done with the NFL. No, no, no. I mean, this season, call it wraps. New England's going to win again. You think? They get every fucking call. It is the worst. Yeah, you were upset last weekend. That, I don't care. I'm not saying definitively that it was a catch by Kelvin Benjamin, but the rule is you need conclusive evidence to overturn the call on the field. And there was nothing conclusive about those replays at all. That going along with the fact that I've seen Austin's Ferry and Jenkins uh, catch get turned into a touchback against the Patriots, among others. And no one talks about this, whether I can't remember if it was week two or three. When they played Carolina, Brandon Cooks caught the, well, wasn't tying yet. They needed a two point convert to tie, caught the ball went to the ground, the ball moved, it hit the ground directly, and they said it didn't affect his ability to catch the ball. It is insane. It's the worst. It makes me want to vomit every time. And then I got to listen to idiots talk about how, well, they ended up winning by 21. It didn't matter anyway. Bullshit. The whole game changes at that point. And if you don't think stuff like that matters, you're lying and just trying to, you know, ignore the fact that the league is favoring this team more than any other. And it's disgusting. And the pass interference calls. I haven't even like I'll, I can take that because bad calls like that happen all the time, but they do tend to favor new England more than anyone all the fucking time. Why do you think that the league favors new England? 
I mean, Roger Goodell clearly does not, considering how hard he fought to keep that suspension. I think it has to do with uh, Mr. Kraft. I know there were some hostilities, but maybe even ways now they feel guilty about that, about how they they treated him. Or maybe they don't think they're trying to rectify what had happened with the suspensions from Deflategate. Like, it's this kind of back and forth compensation. I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying, because it seems like they punished them at times, deservedly. They cheated several or several times between recording other pl- teams, using deflated balls. That's not cheating. Which? The, the deflating balls. It was. No. Why isn't it cheating? Because all quarterbacks do that. Yeah, but they went below an allowed level that's specified in the rule book. If you say so. Well, that's what the league concluded, so... Well, I mean, there was that, okay, that, if, that whole report... If they did that, if they did that, that would be cheating. Right. Anyway. And uh, I'm not denying Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the greatest. I can't even... I say you're, Grady because he's the greatest. Oh, okay. I thought you were just <laughs> I was already deliberately of being what I was insulting. Gonna, no, he, he's amazing, but it's still... A, once, I just want something terrible to happen to them. Well, it's, you know, I mean, when uh, um, Amendola, he would, no, it wasn't Amendola. Edelman. Edelman went down. I mean, that was a big deal. Not really. Sure it is. They've got, they can make any player good. I'm not, it's it's Brady and <laughs> Belichick. I will admit they are very good, but they also seem to get every break. And now Pittsburgh's best offensive players hurt, best defensive players hurt. The AFC is full of garbage teams. They're going to get home field the whole way. And the NFC is pretty good. But, I mean, I don't necessarily believe in Case Keenum in Minnesota. What you about Nick, Nick Foles? Nick Foles in Philly. They're trash. So, uh, I, I, and I don't think any – I haven't heard this point brought up before. Let's say if Seattle – oh, no, they can't both squeak in, I don't think. Well, I've got that all here. No, what was the one case? Atlanta. If New Orleans somehow had gotten bumped. Right. And Seattle made it, all five of the teams except for Minnesota would have been teams that New England had previously beat in the Super Bowl. Oh. And there's still four, regardless of who makes it between Atlanta and Seattle. So you're almost guaranteed a Super Bowl rematch or a Super Bowl Home team Super Bowl, which has never happened. Which is kind of good. This is all assuming New England is just going to walk the table in the AFC, which I think is going to happen. So the best thing, the only thing, sorry, I interrupt. That's all right. The only thing I can pray for. Right. The Bills Mm -hmm. somehow sneak in. Baltimore loses this weekend. And somehow there is a God. Something happens and the Bills beat the Patriots. Nothing would make me happier in the world than that happening this year. So that would mean, okay, that would be, that wouldn't be the AFC final. No, it'd be the next round. Yeah. <clears throat> I would, you would never see me happier. I would like to see you happy for once. <laughs> You're always pretty miserable. <laughs> it's true. I hate life. So, the Pats, um, pretty much uh, guaranteed uh, to clinch 
the first round by. Yeah. Um, and if uh, if Pittsburgh loses uh, as well, or if the Pats win, uh, they basically have home field advantage yes. all the way through. Uh, Steelers, they are probably going to get the second spot. Yep. Um, I mean, it would have to be, uh, I mean, the Pats would have to lose to the Jets and the Steelers would have to win for them to get, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, Jacksonville locked in at number three. Yep. KC locked in at number four. No changes there. The Ravens are win if they, they're in if they win. Uh, but they're also in if the Bills and the Titans, one of them loses, then, then the Ravens are in. Mm -hmm. I would have never guessed that the Ravens would have made the playoffs. Well, if they were hit and miss at the beginning. Yeah. For sure, they looked terrible. I mean, all of the choices for the last two seeds yes. are pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, Titans, um, they they're going to play the Jaguars, but the Jaguars already have their um, seed locked, so they're not going to play anybody. Probably not. important. I still think they can beat Tennessee. Well. They can. And I think they actually might be better if they start a different quarterback against Tennessee. <laughs> I, that could be interesting. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the Bills. So the Bills need uh, the Pretty, Titans to lose. They really need the Ravens to lose. If the Ravens lose and the Bills win, they're in. Oh, okay. But I don't know. You know what would be really great is if uh, the Dolphins shattered the Bills' chances to win. Just like last year. Yeah. It happened last year. Be great if it was twice in a row, wouldn't it be? It would be not fantastic, no. and uh, it would be fantastic. You know what I'm saying? The Chargers also have a way to get in, but uh, that's more than likely not going to happen. But they need they, to basically tie with Buffalo, who they have the tiebreaker over because of uh, Nathan Peterman. Yeah. <laughs> but I still think the Bills probably would have lost that game. It did not go well. No, it was scary. Nathan Peterman. How about that? Uh, gotta be uh, sad for to be an Eagles fan. Yeah, you know they uh, had a pretty good team. I love listening to these idiots on TV, uh, in particular Tony Dungy. Okay, and uh, with Rodney Harrison on Sunday Night Football. After this, Wentz goes out. Like, I think. I think Foles is going to be real good with this team. He don't he's been here before. He's got a lot of experience. Don't expect the drop off. Like these guys just have to say they love everyone. Just be honest. They're terrible. They're going to be shit now. I hate when they try to build up these players because they're nice or whatever stupid reason. They're terrible. They're done. Yeah, that uh, that sucks. <laughs> it really does suck. Especially if you're an Eagles fan. I'm not an Eagles fan, but, you know, when uh, when you're basically cruising through the season, you're like, these guys are going to the Super Bowl. And then your star goes down. That Nick Foles flash in the pan was four or five years ago. Since yeah. then, he has been a disaster. Big disaster. Uh, the Vikings. Um, and the game where he was good against the Giants. Giants should have won the game. Yes. They missed two field goals. They had the ball, the ten or seven yard line, I think. I think, I think eight of the Giants' losses, they should have won those uh. games. They, uh, I don't know, they either got some bad luck or just had the last second collapses. Maybe this coach is just terrible. 
Could be. Could be. Uh, so the Vikings, um, they just got to beat the Bears, and they uh, clinched the number two seed. Mm-hmm. It'd be pretty cool uh, since the Super Bowl is there for them to uh, get all the way to the the big game. Yeah, I mean, I it's not that I don't believe in them. I think they're obviously pretty good, but I mean, Case Keenum's a quarterback. I could see. I don't know. There's ways to beat that team. I I, I don't know. I I don't have a, a lot of faith in them. That's why again, it just I don't have a faith in almost any team in the NFC. No. Actually, maybe the NFC South teams that are making the playoffs. That's about it. Like the, I, uh, I, could, I would probably pick Carolina or Atlanta or New Orleans to make it to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Um, Bridgewater's not ready to go, is it? Well, no, he, he went in for a play and yeah. threw a pick on his first pass. And <laughs> Poor bastard. He'll never say it, but I bet Case Keenum was so happy. Oh, I'm sure he was. <laughs> uh, the Rams, they're pretty much locked into the third seed, right? Yeah. No. The thing now is, and the spreads are indicating this, they want to lose and get the fourth so that they can play. Prob- they wouldn't face Carolina in that scenario. Or Atlanta. Uh, they wouldn't face Atlanta. Oh, And I they see. would get to play Philly. Rather than Minnesota, so they're. I think they've said they're going to bench uh, Goff and Gurley for this game. So yeah. the, the Rams want to lose, and they want the Saints to win. Yes, or the Panthers to yeah. win. To uh, right, so so they would be ahead of them. Oh yeah, that actually would make a lot of sense. Yes, which is what people are expecting now. And and then I mean the. The Falcons are the last team to... They haven't yet clinched a spot. Well, win and they're in. Win and they're and in. And they lose, and Seattle wins. Seattle's in. And Seattle plays Arizona. I think so. And Falcons play Carolina. Ooh. There's some good games tomorrow. That would be... Uh, tomorrow? Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Tomorrow. I keep yeah. thinking Saturday. Well, it is Sunday. There were great games today. <laughs> today. So many good games. You may have watched them already. Uh, what a humdinger. That's all right. Uh, people know we're not actually recording this on New Year's Eve. Because we have lives. That's right. We have places to go for the big evening. Are you doing anything? I don't know. I don't know. Me either. <laughs> but it would be pretty pretty sad for the uh, for the Falcons to miss the playoffs after being in the, the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It happens a lot, though. What an epic collapse. Man. I mean, Carolina's collapse is worse after they made the Super Bowl, so... That's true. It happens quite a bit. Yeah, so there are a lot of good games uh, on Sunday. And I like they're all on Sunday. Like evenly spread out. I think it's almost half and half at 1 and 4 o'clock. It's a good pre-New Year. Like New Year's Eve, the day during the day is usually you're still kind of excited. The night's usually a bust, whatever. But you're getting ready, getting hyped up, so... NFL that day, there's nothing better. That's true. All day getting ready and then huge disappointment at the end. Every commercial break, you're digging around to find your cool leather tie to wear that <laughs> night. Man. Got your Zubaz on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, number, I mean, most of the 1 o'clock games are meh. I mean, the Minnesota-Chicago game, I guess, is kind of important. And uh, 
No. I don't think anybody really wants to watch the Pats and the Jets. Yeah, the 1 o'clock games actually are horrendous. But it's, yeah, it's the 4 o'clock. I didn't know how they were split. but Atlanta, Baltimore, Jacksonville, New Orleans, Seattle, they're all at 425. So those are all the big games. It's good. I can sleep in really late. And you can wake up and uh, turn on uh, the Bills and the Dolphins at 4, four o'clock in Miami. They don't usually play at 4 p.m. I think it's – I don't know if they did this on purpose or they do this because – they didn't want them to know the outcome of certain games that they want certain teams to play at the same time. Right. So they can't I believe, I believe or, that was the idea. It's kind of like world cup, right? Yeah. How the, the groups play at the same time for the last game. And then Italy finds out that one team's up to nothing. And then they just pass the ball at midfield for right. like half an hour. Didn't work this year. <laughs> no, no, they did not <laughs> qualify. Uh, so what, what was the night game that they ended up changing? Oh, uh, there is no night game. No, there was a night game schedule. Oh, there was? Then they realized, shit, that's New Year's Eve. I don't know. Let's I not no do idea. that. It might have been the Rams. Hmm. But I forget. But, uh, yeah, it should be a pretty good weekend of uh, the football. And Jimmy G is the other big story. Yeah, five in a row he, in San Francisco. He looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, uh, what a steal. You know, I mean, like... I'm assuming they would only have traded... With the NFC. Right. Which seems to be what people are saying, but he seems like a pretty legit quarterback, and I'm glad he's... I'm actually glad that the Patriots traded him, because I don't think Brady's got that much left. Maybe he, one year. He might have one more year, maybe. I could see him being really good for one more year, and then I don't have to worry about the second coming of Jimmy G. No. Nope. Now, this is one thing I haven't... I don't know if it's a wink-wink deal. I haven't heard about this. The technically he has to re-sign with San Fran, right? Like he, he did. They didn't do a sign and trade or the equivalent of that in the NBA. No, no, but, he doesn't have a. I don't he think he has. Have to, but they could. I think maybe could franchise him if he doesn't. Could be. I I don't know, but maybe in the comments, if someone knows, I I don't know why it's like a sure thing that he's going to stay there or. Maybe he'll get franchised and then go back to the Patriots. Like, it's a nice, like, wrestling trade. The all Pats get two picks. You go play in San Fran for a couple of years, get even better, and then come back to New England. Like, next season, I mean, there could be, like, eight to ten new coaches and, you mm -hmm. know, eight to ten new starting quarterbacks across the league, maybe even more. I would think so, yeah. So, you know, it could be a, a, a different league next year. Who knows? Maybe Brady will play for the Bills. I <laughs> I don't know what I'd do if that would happen. <laughs> I would. It was like when Roberto Alomar played for the Orioles. Right. I hated them on on the Jays. Then I had to love him. Then he spit in umpire's face. <laughs> he, I mean, and then he didn't... was completely justified. <laughs> <laughs> no, Did I you meant... see that call? I meant that would have given you an, an excuse to hate him again because he spat. In an umpire's face. No. No? You have to defend it. It's your, it's your guy. Huh. I don't know if that's true. I'm not sure. Uh, it's probably not. Would you have uh, defended... Uh, who was the guy that put the uh, the homophobic slur on his eyelids? Played for the Marlins. He used to play for the Jays. I didn't. I don't even remember You this. don't remember that? No. Um, like he was a Dominican player or a Cuban player. One of, these, uh, one of those players from one of those countries. And... Uh, 
Yeah, like after he, he went from the Jays to the Marlins, Jose Reyes maybe? Was it him? Yeah, oh yeah, I think it was. It this been... is starting to sound familiar. Well, he played for the Orioles too. Might not have been Jose Reyes. However, I think it was Jose it was, Reyes. was a player from that era. Oh, no, Tejada. Is it Tejada? No, no, no. I'm no. thinking Tejada, sorry. No, he played for the Orioles. Yeah, that's, sorry. He lied about his age. Okay. Um, I think that was Miguel Tejada. Anyway, but yeah, like he, he, he had some sort of a, whatever language it was written on his eyelids, it was like a homophobic slur. And, and who saw it? Like, who was it designed? Who was designed well, to I see think it? He, I think it was just in the dugout or something and people saw it. It's so strange. It was very, yeah, very odd. Google it. <laughs> Marlin eyelids slur. See what happens when you Google those things. Maybe I'm completely wrong. No, it wasn't Jose Reyes. I know for a fact it wasn't. Guriel? No. No, that's from the World Series. Sorry. I'm not seeing. I I put Marlin eyelid slur. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Baseball. Who was it? This is an exciting time in the podcast. It was for the Blue Jays, it says. Or maybe he was still on the Jays at the time. Uniel Escobar. Escobar, yes. That's him. That's him. Was he still on the Jays at the time? Oh, it wasn't on his eyelids either. Wasn't it? <laughs> it was on the eye black. Oh, the eye black. That's right. That's right. I was like, well, that makes more sense. People can read that. All right. All right. Okay. Like, who is he winking at? <laughs> I knew it was in the stuff. eye area. Yeah, okay, okay. Yes. That's right. It was on the eye black. But he, it was written in Spanish. So Right. In Spanish. Yeah. Right. Like I had all of the facts in that story wrong. I had the wrong player, wrong team, wrong part of the body, but... The slur I remembered. <laughs> yes. I should uh, write for the newspaper. <laughs> I got all my facts straight. Fake news. Have you watched any NBA at all? I've watched a few Pelicans games. I watched the f- part of the fourth quarter of Cleveland-Golden State. To start the season, I watched quite a few games. And then kind of lost interest. I've followed every Pelicans game, at least while... If I'm not watching it while it's going on, and I don't know, it's I watched the like I said the big game on Christmas or part of it, and everyone is mad about Jeff Van Gundy complaining about the officials and replay and all this stuff, and I just hear myself talking <laughs> like that's the exact way I feel watching these games, and I don't know why people are mad that he's saying it because it's true. I totally uh, thought about you when uh, when I was reading all that stuff about people. Who are you know not enjoying Gundy Van Gundy? Yeah, and saying all this stuff, but but it's true. He like, he does complain about the officiating a lot. Yeah, because it's ruining basketball, and everyone else is in on the payroll. They they want to talk about NBA. I mean, the Ringer, Bill Simmons, and that crew. Like it's unbelievable. They will do anything they can to disparage the NFL and to build up the NBA as if it's the greatest league ever. Uh, they are fully in the NBA's pocket. And it's so biased, it's unbelievable listening well, to their stuff. I, I would say they do prefer the NBA, and they, they say less disparaging things. They specifically have guests on to talk about uh, NFL training rooms and to talk about how bad it is and how officiating in the NFL and replay is ruining everything, yet does not ruin the NBA, which is way worse. Like, the calls... I want at the end of that game, 
it was the Cleveland uh, oh, like State replay game? after replay for out of bounds, which was just nonsensical, unwatchable. Turned it off. Goodbye. So thank you, Van Gundy. You're saying exactly what I feel like, and if that makes for bad TV, guess what? He's just saying what's bad about your product. Sorry, he's not saying it's amazing when it's a sack of shit. So for basketball, would you say that checking replay? To make sure a basket goes in before the buzzer. Sure. That's good. What other reason would you like for instant replay in basketball? Uh, I mean, fouls is, it's tough. I don't Well, we, everyone hates time, timeouts in the NBA too, especially right. at the end of games. Yes. So I say make it, maybe give them one more timeout, but challenges cost you a timeout. If it's that important for you, other than, I don't even think you should be able to challenge foot on the line for a three. Uh, what else are some other big ones? These are all coaches' challenges, right? Yeah. Do the referees no, often like, uh, ever... I think a shot going in at the end, you don't have to use a challenge. Right. Because like, they can review it uh, like after the quarter. I, no, maybe you can't because then there's more time on the clock. I mean, the refs usually do that anyway. That should be reviewed. And, and they, actually, they also, they also review foot on the line for three points. All While the game is being yeah, I played. Guess that's okay. As long as it's not stopping the game. Out of bounds has to stop for the same reasons Van Gundy said. You're giving teams free timeouts all the time. Uh, it's so arbitrary when they decide to call it. I, I remember a New Orleans Hornets, LA Lakers first round playoff game. They reviewed a play with 10 minutes left in the quarter. I'd never seen it before in my life. An out of bounds call. Ridiculous. And Again, just like Van Gundy said, in the beginning of the game, there's guys swiping through guys' hands for rebounds, and I'm sure technically it leaves one guy's hand later, but they're like, I could have called a foul on that guy. Uh, like, everything's in play. I just, you know what? It's your ball, and that's how it goes. And now, at the end of the game, you're analyzing them in a completely different way that changes the game completely. That's true. It makes no sense. I think when uh, when they're doing a instant replay, when they're looking at, I think the player shouldn't be allowed to go to the bench. That too. Well, Van Gundy said they should have to stay in the middle of the court. Yes. But even then, you're getting a rest. Right. Depending on the situation, I've seen it benefit Golden State many, many times when they decide to review something. And maybe the other coach would be like, you know what? I don't care. Don't review it. I'd rather they didn't get a timeout. Like the coach, the other team should have to decide, yes, I want to review this. That would be pretty interesting if the other team said, no, no, just give it to him. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. I wonder if they would stop the review. Uh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They have to. Anyway, I, it's it. everyone always says how bad, well, for decades it's been how boring and painful the end of NBA games are with all the timeouts. And now it's just getting worse with replay. It is. Seems like find a happy medium. There seems yeah. to be a lot of controversy in officiating in both the NBA and the NFL. The NFL, I mean, I get replay a bit in the NFL because, you know, a touchdown's a big deal. You don't score all the time. But it should be a, an NBA coach's like decision to say, I might think it out of bounds in the first half that ends up being a six point swing is a big deal. And they don't, 
review it. Like it should be up to the coach to decide what the big deals are, not the league and what time is important in a basketball game because games can be won and lost in any quarter when teams go on big runs. How come like these uh, leagues don't adopt the, the technology that tennis has? Uh, That's been brought up too. And I don't know. I don't know enough about the technology, but I mean, if, if the technology is good, to track like you know a hundred and twenty mile an hour tennis ball, you think? Well, let's think of a, a the best applicable case for that for the NFL. Did a ball cross the goal line? Right. You just need a chip in each of the end of the right, ball. Right, but you don't have a chip in the guy's knee or thigh or the thing that. That's where the calls get really right. close. It's not did it cross. It's was his knee down? Was this down? So microchip. Everybody, every, every piece of equipment, robot players, robot players. That's a good idea. It's maybe the XFL. It's coming back. That's we'll a big story. Uh, I did want to get to that in a second, but I do think there are a lot of exciting teams in the NBA. Uh, I guess maybe I'll now that it's past the holidays, it'll I'll watch a bit more, but. I, I do follow it. I don't watch it as much. Right. If you so you you're not enjoying the dynamic duo in New Orleans. Oh, I am. Like okay. watching highlights, and I mean Rondo had 25 assists the other night. It was crazy. So you must you must enjoy seeing some of Boogie. I do, and then I have to see every brow. day. Uh, when is it? We everyone wants Anthony Davis out of New Orleans, pretty much, and they're gonna keep saying it until he gets traded or. Yeah, the seeds planted enough with him and his agent that they decide to ask for a trade. I feel the same way when they talk about you know, you know, everybody wants to know who the big free agents that are going to sign with the Lakers and make them a powerhouse again. I'm just I'm so tired of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're pretty much where the Lakers are pretty much where we thought they would be, like you know, ninth or tenth from the bottom. Yeah, they've. I mean. Lonzo hasn't played that much. He's missed quite a few games. He has. Um, Kuzma has been a, mm-hmm. a revelation. Yep. And, you know, when, I mean, Ball's going to get there. I mean, he's got a lot of talent and, you know, he'll, he'll, he might not win rookie of the year. He probably won't win rookie of the year, but, uh, but he'll get there. He might need a season or two, but you know, like Ingram's really good. Randall. I like Randall. Like they've got uh, a pretty good young core there. Jordan Clarkson's okay. I mean, there's a chunk of terrible teams in the NBA, but the Lakers are like second last in the NBA right now. Well, yeah, by one game. Yeah, there's I mean, like there's could... like there's like eight teams <laughs> with twelve wins, and they have eleven. They are second last. Right. Yeah. They have lost four in a row, though. So yes. Yeah, but only... a lot of our predictions are kind of coming true, especially people were gaga for the Clippers. They shit the bed completely. Yeah. Yeah, we, people were all over. We we were the only ones that were like, no way, the Clippers are going to suck. And all these teams, the, the people saying New Orleans, what a write-off. This team's the worst. Well, they're actually pretty good, and uh, they can actually hang with some of the best teams. They have many times. And then in the fourth quarter, the refs start to get involved. I think Minnesota's better than we thought they would be. They're good. They're, yeah. OKC has really put it together lately. They had a tough... Tough go at it first. Though. I still don't buy that team. How do you feel about Houston, though? They're good. They're yeah. really good. 
Eric Gordon looks like he's a different player all of a sudden. He's <laughs> <laughs> insane. I hate it. But Golden, I mean, Golden State's going to win. What are we? After what are we talking after about the here? Super Bowl? You're going to start watching more basketball. I think so. Yeah, but they're almost better without Curry right now. Like they have yeah. a, a backup point guard who's amazing. But I mean, like I mean, Houston and San Antonio and, and Minnesota, like they're still competitive. You know, they oh, can, yeah. they can put on good good games with Golden State, and I mean. The East is right where we th- there'd be three teams, and then the rest would be, you know, like non-factors, really. I yeah. mean, the the Pistons are have the fourth seed, which is bonkers. Toronto's been really good, too. Yeah, they've uh, had a pretty good run recently. And, you know, uh, the Cavs are, are good. They'll get better if Isaiah comes back. But it's weird. Like, Celtics and Raptors both have ten losses. The Celtics have played six more games. Yeah, there. how is that possible? Who's well, doing in, these schedules? The NHL is the same thing. Like uh, in in the one division that the Leafs and the Canadians are in, like they had played like five more games than some of the other teams. Yeah, it's you weird. know, it's it, we're not even halfway through the season. <laughs> they played <laughs> six more games. Like that's gonna that's a they're gonna have a pretty good. Boston's gonna have a lot of rest as they get towards the All Star game too now. And even the NBA has schedule problems in terms of competition level because the pelicans have to play golden state three times and then other western conference teams two times and stuff like that like it that doesn't make sense and they've played golden state three times already sorry four times and they've played them three times already yep so of course their record's gonna look worse they've played the best team three times they are better than i thought they would be but the nba i i know i complain about the officiating that the pro- i don't know how to fix it like these guys are so fast, yeah. so strong. You know, like when, what, what's a foul now? I I don't even know. Well, the fact that they missed, I mean, like, there was it was you know I watched the replay and I, I watched a bit of the uh, that uh, Golden State Cleveland game and you know like Durant fouled LeBron three times quite blatantly and none of them got called and like how do you? But I've also seen those same three fouls not get called. All the time in other games. Yeah. Like, it's not like that's a, I saw that. I'm like, oh, they call that every time. No, but they I mean, don't. It's so arbitrary when they call it and when they don't. And they, I just, uh, I find that uh, the the referees are watching the superstars a lot more. Yeah. Well, yeah. I hear that's the, it's a superstar on superstar who right. gets the benefit. It's just the it's one that, made, it's committing that, the foul. It's that crime it's, that it just, no one cares about the superstar exactly. on superstar crime. Yeah. But that's sports, and we love it. I wish you couldn't even touch. I, do you remember when you played in? There's this idea that a foul is a bad thing, or needs to be a bad yes. thing, or you should feel shame for it. And I remember, like, I did when they explained the rules of basketball to you. It's like you're not allowed to touch the other person, and you like do whatever you can not to touch them, but guard them to the best of your ability. And I feel like when you watch older basketball, like not 80s, but late 70s, that's kind of how defense worked. Like, yeah, you had to, you couldn't touch them. And now it's like evolved into this highly physical sport. And the rules are, are not that clear anymore. And it, I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how you say, how you judge level of contact. 
So either there needs to be a hard push against contact where a foul is a foul straight up and it'll be really annoying for a long time, but you got to call it that way. And eventually the league will correct itself. You know, like I, I would, I would love to see some of these players. If if there was a way to see them play against guys like Hakeem and Carl Malone and Charles Oakley and, and, you know, Matumbo, like all these guys that, through some pretty devastating elbows and but when they did that it was always a foul and it was like it was more sure you're gonna get the foul call but you're not gonna like being fouled right and you're gonna now it's like fouls all the time and it might not hurt you the game's not as physical quote-unquote but the amount of contacts increased and that affects shots it affects it's crazy how it's changed, though, yeah. because, I mean, the game is nowhere near as physical as it was 20 years ago. I don't know. I, I guess I disagree. I think it's, and I I think that's the default argument that it's not as physical as it used to be. I think it's more physical. It's just weak physicality. Like, there, <laughs> there, there's more touching than ever. Like, when you're going to the basket, there's guys, like, always touching you, groping you, hands, stuff but it's not like egregious, right? It's not like punching someone or hitting someone hard, but the actual like strength of the physical contact previously was much harder and fouls hurt more and every, a lot more stuff would have been flagrant fouls. Yeah. But I see touching on everything. Like even 10 years ago, Bruce Bowen used to hold all the time. That's all he would do. Yeah. That was, that was, that was one, but he was allowed. Yeah. It's just, it's so weird who it's allowed for and who it's not allowed for. It's, it's, it's crazy. Who was it? Uh, was it in the NCAA or was it in the NBA this year where someone's jersey was ripped off? I don't know. I can't remember where it was, but there was like no foul call. It's yeah. like, well, clearly. And then, yeah, Draymond, Draymond Green recently was mad about getting elbowed. And I've seen him flop on that call so many oh, times. Yeah. And now he's mad. Oh, I hate him. He's the biggest whiner ever. Well, and considering I wish he was on the Pelicans. <laughs> well, I mean, considering you know some of the damage that he's in- inflicted on yeah. others. Oh yeah, you know, for to uh, complain as much as he does. But uh, you know, yeah, but, I just don't have as much interest. But what maybe was the, when was the last time that you had a big interest in the NBA? Was it like four years ago, five years ago? Yeah, three or four. I think the first. Well, I definitely watched all of the playoffs for the first Golden State championship. I think most of it for the Cleveland one. And then it's kind of... was Last year, Was the, the first round was god-awful. Yeah. But everything else after that was pretty good to watch. Yeah, I really didn't watch. But you missed it. Yeah. It's a shame. We'll see. You missed out. It's... I Again, Golden State is easily the best team. I know the records don't necessarily say that. They are really good. Well, yes. I mean, like, <laughs> like I, I don't think they're playing at 100%. Well, Steph's out too, right? So, yeah. So, they're amazing. They are a pretty good basketball club. Yeah. Almost as good as Ball and the Lakers, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they'll get there, I'm sure. And that's the, that's the worst part. They are the best, which almost makes me not want to watch it because I know they're going to win. But the way they play the game is amazing. I love watching them play. I just wish the games were more competitive. 
I agree. So let's get into uh, our reviews. Which what would you like to start with? Let's start with the Nature Boy. The Nature Boy. Uh, ESPN Thirty for Thirty Films. It's a uh, documentary following the life and career of sixteen-time world champion Ric Flair, directed by Rory Carp. 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 Whew, that's a tough one. And uh, stars Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Ricky Steamboat, Steve Borden, Mark Calloway, Paul Levesque, and a whole bunch of other guys. So, Frankie, what'd you think? Well, I this film had been very hyped up. Mm-hmm. Like people loved that I'd heard so much about it saying, you got to see it. And I mean, I really like Ric Flair and I like his stories. I just think the director is not doing his stories justice. I totally agree. Like it's, this guy is such a wannabe director, a documentary director. He's using such cliches where they're not necessary. The animated sequences, the worst, like <laughs> bad quality of animation, unnecessary. I would rather see Ric Flair telling his own stories and even better would have been his own stories from like people who were there, like different perspectives and editing that together uh, rather than the animated stuff. Hated that the choice to shoot like his need to involve himself in the movie. So again, hearing him ask, ask the questions. And on top of that, the cameras that are filming Ric Flair filming those cameras. Was that weird? I hate that. That is the, worst. I've never seen that before. It's like, it's such, such over direction, overthinking. It's, it, I, I really disliked it. I would rather just hear, if anything, I wish it dove deeper in a lot of respects to the stories and his career. I thought it kind of scratched the surface and could have been longer if they, I didn't want this particular version to be longer, but the right version could be longer. Uh, I, I guess I just wanted more of like what he was like behind the scenes. It felt more of like a career retrospective than anything else. Yeah, it did. It did seem like, like the WWE put out better Ric Flair stuff than this. Yeah. I haven't it, seen it, but I assume it's better. Yes, they have a, uh, it's like a documentary uh, and a collection of a whole bunch of his matches. But, uh, you know, like the talking head parts uh, were the best part for me. Um, just listen to guys like, you know, Ricky Steamboat and and uh, Sting and, and uh, you know, The Undertaker, guys that uh, really respected them and, and talked about. Even Hogan talking about. Hogan was like, pretty good, too. Like, compared to, like, I, I'm sure there's ego stuff going on with him, too. But I'm, I mean, saying how he was, I mean, everyone says it, how good he was at making other wrestlers look good. Right. And, um, I, I felt that there wasn't, there wasn't enough. Uh, I mean, I know Dusty Rhodes has passed away, but there wasn't enough on his uh, feud with Dusty Rhodes. And there wasn't anything at all with Macho Man, which I was super surprised about. Well, you got to think, in a lot of ways, Macho Man was the WWF's Ric Flair. Right. And in some ways did it better, I think. Like, just in terms of, I don't know if he was the first, but his interviews are the best. And I I don't know if there was any actual genuine feud between them. Do do you know, like, if they Um, got along or... Well, I know they... I know they respected each other yeah, quite a bit. It, like that, that did. I mean, he's dead, obviously, too. But it did. 
seem lacking. Um, I was I was surprised that they didn't sit down with Vince McMahon at all, mm-hmm. or if he maybe he didn't want to. Um, well, Stephanie McMahon was there and Triple H. That's true, but still, I mean, I mean, no, not that like like it, uh, it didn't feel like it was a WWE doesn't well, want anything to do with this. Ric Flair is is Vince's favorite wrestler. Really? Yes. I, yeah, like I never would have known that. Uh, so I was kind of surprised that they didn't uh, have him in there. You know, like you know the that whole run of stories with Rick taking off his clothes that was, that was super entertaining, and uh, you know Rick, you know buying all the kamikazes in the bar. And, and you're right, like the the animated stuff was odd. It wasn't good animation. Like it looked bad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It didn't add anything to me. It, even if it would have pushed it further, like made him larger than life, I know it kind of goes for that, but not enough to justify having it in the movie. It, you're basically showing what happened. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I would have liked them to you know dig a little more, I guess, deeper into uh, the stuff with his son, Reed. I think so too, um, because that was uh, you know like they talked a lot about you know a little bit about that and uh, and how it affected him and. The 911 call was kind of, you know, eerie to have in there. And, uh, you know, and how it affected his his daughter becoming a professional wrestler. But the one they also didn't talk about his his other son, his older son, David, who was a WCW wrestler. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, they didn't talk. I mean, he had one, like he was that the weird beard bearded looking kid that they talked to once. And he said, you know, dad wasn't really home much. Uh, but they didn't talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, he had his son David was a wrestler with him as well. And so I was kind of surprised they didn't touch on that. I mean, the the guy had, a, you know, a 40-year career. And there's a lot of stories and stuff that they, they could have got to. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe cutting back on some of those animated sequences and stuff and, and focus more on just the actual interview without hearing the questions, you know. Well, the movie starts by, or I don't know if this was in the movie or in the introduction of the director basically saying he did two interviews and they were completely different. One at the beginning and one at the end. And maybe the first one, he was holding stuff back and kind of let go in the second interview. But even the way that was pieced together, they didn't seem that different. Like you could tell which one it was by what he was wearing. Yeah. The, which, which suit. I don't know. It felt really unfocused, kind of generic. I like Ric Flair. I like hearing the stories. I uh, like watching his matches and interviews. And the same way, I mean, watching any retrospective of a wrestler can be fun if if you like them and appreciate their wrestling or their interviews usually is the thing I, I look for the most. But it just, uh, I don't know. I was really disappointed. Like, you know, they, 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 only briefly touched on the fact that he almost died very recently. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of after filming, they said. Right. But... Um, and then, uh, you know, like, he, it took him six years to recover from the plane crash. They didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah, the plane crash. They kind of just touched on. And, uh, and then, you know, you, you, I was in the hospital. And then it cut to him being, you know in his matches with Ricky steamboat and which was very strange. Like, you know, I want to hear, 
six I, years to get I, yourself back. I want to hear about that. I'd be curious more about like picking his persona too. Cause it's weird when you see pictures of him when he's young with short hair, brown hair, or curly hair. Yeah. And it looks nothing like this no. person. It's because he's also a hundred pounds heavier. Yeah. It's like a total transformation. Like why that transformation? Like what, what it was that, I mean, that all had everything to do with that plane crash and, and how it changed his body shape. And cause you know, he was bedridden for so long and they, didn't nearly touch on that. I mean, they they spoke about you know the influence behind uh, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, but they didn't really touch much on the influence he got from Gorgeous George, and uh, you know there's all kinds of stuff that uh, happened in WCW, and uh, they wanted to to get rid of him because they didn't think he could uh, continue. They thought he should retire, and then that one guy made him cut his hair, and they wanted to give him an earring and make him a Spartacus character. They didn't touch on any of that. Another, Again, this thing could have been like three hours yeah, long, yeah. and I know they're not going to be able to get to every story, but I, I felt that there was just, there was, you know, what they did touch on, I liked, but I think they they didn't dig deep enough. Yeah, or even what they touched on, to say you liked, yeah, I, I guess I kind of liked it, but... I don't want to just like it. I want to like. I want to love it and be excited about. And I was not excited watching this at all, or emotional. And the beginning, the way it starts, talking about his foster parents and yeah. all that stuff, like really doesn't have a payoff. It's almost like yeah, fuck them. And that was well, yeah, it. because every time they brought back parents, it, like it never got any better. No, you know, he <laughs> bought his parents a house, and they're like, "What do you want all this for? I don't need yeah. this." And like, there's no closure with the parents. So just the way it's picking the stories didn't seem like they picked the right ones or approached it from the right angle. Yeah. There's no closure with the parents and there's no closure with, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, all the alcohol he consumed and they're like, you know, do you, can you be social without it? And he's like, why would I want to? It's like, <laughs> the guy doesn't learn any lessons. <laughs> yeah. He's not the most, uh, redeeming character. And I don't know. They're like they had to release it. I'm assuming. For, yeah. It almost feels like something, you know, if you didn't have to release it, keep working this. Eventually, you'll have, the story will form itself following Ric Flair, but it's not quite that kind of documentary. So, no, I mean, and I mean, I understand, I guess, why they chose Ric Flair. I mean, they couldn't pick Andre because, I mean, it totally gets me super excited for the HBO Andre the Giant documentary mm-hmm. that's coming out. But uh, you know, Ric, Ric Flair's got a you know a lot of stories and stuff, but I think there are other compelling people that they, you know, I probably would have preferred to see ESPN uh, cover. Cause you know, I mean, they're, they're not really, you know, big on wrestling. I mean, you know, they, they haven't aired it on their channels in a long time. So I think the director's a hack and a poser. I would rather see a different director tackle it. There you go. Ouch. All right. <laughs> So would you recommend this to someone to watch? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, a wrestling person, sure, but they've probably already seen it or know about it and know about the stuff in it. So, I, I would tell them to, like, the WWE produces way better documentaries on their on their competitors. I mean, there's there's so many better examples of stories that, uh, that they have that, uh, like, uh, if you want to learn about a wrestler, watch their documentary on, on Roddy Piper. It's It's great. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm like three quarters of a ball, maybe I, half a ball. I'll give it one ball, okay? Because I did enjoy uh, 
the uh, uh, the the NFL locker rooms doing the Ric Flair <laughs> spiel. Mm-hmm. It showed oh, okay. the, it showed yes, the one yes. they were they were, they were doing the wheel deal and kiss deal and. Well, I know the Pelicans. I think <clears throat> the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, a lot of stadiums use. I know, I know the Hurricanes have Ric Flair on the jumbotron when they score. Yeah, doing the woo. So, all right. Moving on to uh, Battle of the Sexes. So was this at uh, was this at TIFF as well? I believe so. Actually, I know it was. Yeah. Did you see it there? No, no. All right. So this is the fictionalized true story of the 1973 tennis match between world number one Billie Jean King and ex-champion uh, serial hustler Bobby Riggs, uh, directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris, written by uh, Simon Beaufoy, starring Emma Stone and Steve Carell. What did you think about this one? Well, I have to say, for the first 10 minutes, I thought I was going to hate it. <laughs> okay. Uh, the whole like exposition at the beginning with Bill Pullman and like like basically laying out this inequality in the right, like terrible writing. But as it kept going, I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I liked the performances a lot. I thought Emma Stone was really good. Uh, Steve Carell as well. I thought it was going to be a bit goofier. It's kind of goofy, but I, I liked it, I guess. I, I I don't know how they filmed the tennis scenes. Was it the actual f- footage with, like... Well, they they... Most of the tennis stuff was <laughs> filmed from far away, from behind one of the players, behind and above. So I'm not sure if it was the actual actors in some of the long shots. Well, I don't think it was in the long shots. Oh, excuse me. But it was either body doubles or I thought maybe they might have doctored original footage. Maybe. I liked it, though. Uh, I mean, the it's uh, definitely about the match, but probably more about uh, Billie Jean King and her relationship in the movie. Now, after watching the movie, I learned a bit more. It, it's really not that accurate. No, that's why, I mean, <laughs> saying it's a fictionalized true story. Like, they, yeah. they had the, the idea of the story, the battle of the sexes and the inequality and, and you know, the buildup to it. But, like, a lot of the filler, I'm not sure was... Uh, well, it's it's not. And finding out how some of the stuff played out after the fact. Yeah. Like, it wasn't her hairdresser. I think it was, like... Her assistant or right. some, I, I can't remember exactly, but I mean, there was huge lawsuits after the fact with that person. And yes, uh, I mean, obviously it didn't happen at this time, but uh, I, I, in the, in the moment of the movie though, the relationship elements, I actually liked quite a bit. And I mean, it's like interesting showing like the choices you have to make and, any athlete really in terms of public perception and what you show people and what you don't. And, uh, it was pretty watchable. I, I liked it. Yeah. I, <coughs> I liked it too. I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, I enjoyed. <coughs> you all right there, pal? Oh, fuck. You still sick? No, I'm just dry. So I enjoyed the performances. Uh, I, I agree. I thought Emma Stone was uh, terrific. And, uh, I like Steve Carell as well. Uh, I was confused for the most part who exactly Sarah Silverman was and what her character was doing. It took me a while to figure out <coughs> that she was a manager, I guess, because mm-hmm. she just kind of showed up. And at first I thought she was a tennis player. 
They didn't really explain her character very well to start. I did not like her performance. Yeah. Well, she she basically played Sarah Silverman. She's, yeah, like there's this whole kind of... She falls into the shticky biopic. Add-in. Like, you know. Or just... That's what I'd expect and what I don't want to see. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the, the like, I guess the relationship triangle stuff with uh, Billie Jean and her husband and her lover. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, uh, like, they really punched you in the face with Bill Pullman's character and, and, and how, you know, like, there was so much of why do women uh, deserve the same amount of money? They're not strong. They're not fast. It's like they really beat you exactly. over the head. That's that first 10 minutes I was talking no, I, I don't know if, you know, if, if dialogue like that actually happened back then. I wasn't there. I wasn't alive. But uh, it just, it seemed to, like they really pushed that. And maybe there, it was, you know, based on that, uh, you know, agenda itself. But uh, it, it it seemed like they were just, clubbing you over the head well to me it just felt like an accumulation of all the arguments that have ever been said over time of like men's sports versus women's sports and just kind of putting it all out there i didn't take it as verbatim from that character that character represented i guess world perception and i guess the perception of the sports world on a lot of things but it's not always the case like there's clearly that's true sports where the women's version is more popular well and i would expect the women to make more money yeah, for I think up until you know recently, I think the for a long time the women's tennis was much more popular than the men's. I mean, they had more personalities and they had stronger players. And I mean, when Federer was winning everything before Nadal came along, like men's tennis was pretty boring. Yeah. Um, whereas the women, you know, the, the Williams sisters were were just you know really coming along and, and they still had Martina Hingis out there playing and, and Sharapova and, and this had, you know, there was more of an interest, I think from a lot of people. Anyway. I, don't, I don't think the movie like portrays some things as accurately or as upfront about some things that it, it should be like the idea of the age of Bobby Riggs versus the age of Billy. Yeah. King's. There was about a 20, 25, year, 25 year difference. <laughs> so, and I don't think it really, I know he feels like he never got a shot in the Time Magazine stuff, but like he, I didn't even know how good of a tennis player he was. Like he won every event. Like he won yeah. the Grand Slam. He was Slam. a Grand Slam yeah. champion, yes. Like that's pretty good. Yes. Uh, and I don't know if the movie builds that up quite accurately. And from what I've heard, I think it was a bit more like tongue in cheek in terms of what, what Riggs was doing and Billy Jean King being in on it. Well, and kind of, I think that you kind of that kind of revealed it when they actually had their match. I mean, you know, I, I went and I looked up, and and the way that they came out for the match, like she was being carried by the muscle yeah. bound man, and he was wearing the sugar daddy with the lollipop, like that actually happened. She did present him with a squealing pig, and he did present her with yes. a giant lollipop. That's, that tells me that they were both in on the show aspect of it. Absolutely, and. The movie did get that right. Like, it's there, but you don't see that much of it discussed around right. that. Like, and I'm assuming, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of similarities between this match and professional wrestling. And sure. You would look to the same 
it would be the same people who thought Andy Kaufman was serious when he was wrestling women and stuff like that. Like it's there to get a reaction yes. and to get people mad. It's not to say that, uh, I, I think there is something to the actual match itself and her beating him. But I, I think it was more about getting people to react and you have to be aware that that's how people feel that they would react. Yeah, I, all I think about when I watch this is Andy Kaufman, right? <laughs> and all his stuff with wrestling. And now, one thing they didn't touch upon in this as well is that uh, Bobby Riggs played with the men's lines, and uh, Billie Jean played with the women's lines. Oh, I didn't. That's I didn't know that. Yes. So she played with women's rules, and he played with men's rules. So there was a li- little bit but aren't more. Aren't the lines the same? Uh well, I did, that's what it said in the, when I was oh, okay. reading on that there was some sort of a, a, a difference. Rule twist. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Which they didn't touch upon in the in the in the movie. Uh, the one thing about the movie that I I didn't quite feel the need for, which I also thought was really strange, was uh, Bobby Riggs' relationship with his uh, with with the really young son. Yeah, and uh, and Elizabeth Shue being in this movie, she really had nothing to do at all. Well, I mean, yeah, it's interesting that, I mean, she doesn't necessarily, it's not about his stance on women right. that bothers her at all. It's just his gambling. His gambling. You know, there's but a- she has the line where she says, that's what I love about you too. So it's weird. And she, in the end of the movie, spoiler, she ends up back with, not in the movie, but in real life. Stayed they, with them until yeah. they died. So I, <laughs> until the end, I, mean, right? I, don't, I, I don't know why that necessarily needs to be there either. Um, but yeah, there was that one weird scene where he's jumping around the house with his kid, like not stepping on the lava or something like that, yeah. or a crocodile or whatever. That was real weird. I mean, I, 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 I think it's just showing that he can be a good dad. And but then you know, he also seemed to have a very strange relationship with his older son. Yes, uh, but that that really didn't get explained. At all. Well, he just doesn't go to the match. I, don't I think it. I mean, they're alluding to stuff with this drug supplier guy played yeah. by Fred Armisen. There, there are some weird lingering threads there that don't feel quite right. And they don't the quite get wrapped up. But yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's I like I said, I, I was a good watch. I don't know if I'm. I'd be dying to watch it again. Better than I thought it would be. Uh, and. Emma Stone definitely stands out as the best thing in the movie. Was it better than Wimbledon? I think so. It's been a while since I've watched Wimbledon, though. And what's the Woody Allen one? Match Point. Match Point. Is it better than Match Point? I don't think so. I think Match Point's pretty good, but that also, long time ago. They uh, There was another version of this movie. Uh, it was called something like The Story of Billy and Bobby or something like that. It was a TV movie. And it starred uh, Ron Silver as uh, Bobby Riggs, mm-hmm. and Holly Hunter played Billie Jean King. Really? Yes, I think that was in uh, the '90s, maybe. Hmm. When Billy met Bobby, I think it was called. When Billy beat Bobby. Billy yeah. beat. Two thousand one. Oh, two thousand one. Okay. What did you think of uh, of how they put in the actress? Uh, playing the color commentary, color commentator over top of the of the video footage of the of Howard Corsell and the color commentator. Yeah, I I think I liked it. 
It was. It was. It. It looked okay. I, I, if any, I like the way the the movie integrated real footage and the actors. Right. I wanted. I also wanted to. Uh, I some of the stuff I really liked was the gambling stuff of uh, Bobby Riggs. Like when he was playing tennis with that old guy and mm-hmm. and he was walking the two dogs and they had chairs in the court as well and he was still winning. Yeah, that was pretty funny. That was that's pretty early in the movie and it was yeah. probably peak humor for me. I think it could have maybe like could have stood to be a bit more funny and maybe not take the subject matter as seriously. I think they uh, could have had a little bit more of that sort of thing in there as well. Um I think the match itself like it, uh, this isn't any the equality aspects of the match are important, but the match itself was, I'm basing what I've seen and what I've read at the time more about like show, like putting on a show and getting ratings and making money and being like a bit more of a farce. So I, I think to view it as a serious like step, I think what's more important in, and maybe this, if this is the point, the movie does not show it well. I think in terms of equality and women's rights, what Billie Jean King does at the beginning of the movie is way more important in terms of not like starting her own league and separating from men's tennis. And I wish there was actually a bit more about that and wrapping up how that, like that to me is a way more empowering and big decision for women's rights than the result of this match. And I think maybe the movie gets it twisted in focusing on the match rather than, I mean, obviously they show her decisions. So I'm like, I knew about that and, but that to me seems more like the really powerful moves versus just winning that tennis match. They uh, did a few more of those uh, types of matches as well. I know uh, Navratilova played uh, Jimmy Connors. You know what? That might have been the match where they uh, had the different lines. I think Jimmy might have played oh, okay. with, with the doubles lines and she played with the singles lines. That might have been what it was. But. Uh, but overall, so what did you? Uh, what would would you recommend somebody watching this movie? Yeah, I would say so. Someone that likes sports, someone that likes Emma Stone, yeah, someone that likes women's, sugar daddies, women's rights, sugar daddy paraphernalia. You could you could uh, put this movie in a double bill with uh, Spice World. It's all about girl power. I don't know. No, I saw a Spice World at a run through at this at the theater and i do not remember good things i went to see spice world the theater i enjoyed that i wouldn't have paid but (laughs) i think i paid yeah it was pretty bad anyway like it's kind of one and a half balls that area one and a half balls you know i'd give it i would also give it one and a half balls i think uh less stuff about his his bobby riggs's family life more, you know, tongue-in-cheek humor, I think, and this would been this would be a, a fun romp. But I, I I agree. What you said, I like the relationship dynamic between her, her lover, and the husband. And there's one scene where that kind of in the hotel all plays out. I yeah, like that. It's a good scene. It's weird that the focus of the movie is the match at the end because it seems like out of all the things that happen in the movie and in real life, it would have been the least important. I, I gotta say the her husband Larry Larry King, <laughs> yes, um, like uh, 
he he took it on the chin a little bit, but, uh, you know, he... Well, I mean, there's clearly a a love there, but, I mean, again, that's the movie version of Larry King. I don't know. But, I mean, if you read the thing at the end... I don't remember. Well, they divorced. Yeah. And uh, he got remarried and had children, and she married her lover and... Second lover. Second lover. Same, and... And uh, they are the godparents to his children. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that doesn't often happen, you know, when when someone gets cheated on, I don't think. In that circumstance, I I think it kind of makes sense. Like, he he almost feels more like a a manager and just support than anything. I suppose maybe uh, you would have a different feeling if you were cheated on and it was with someone of the opposite sex maybe you wouldn't have yeah that type of the same I think, feeling yeah, that's part of it so one and a half balls one and a half go watch the movie you might like that uh so we're wrapping up the show where uh, we only got uh i didn't put out a note on on the social media that uh, we were doing the show so we didn't get a lot of sack time that's my fault i forgot to uh let everybody know that we were going to record a show to get some questions in so we did get one question in off of Twitter, from Peter Harris, and Harrison, uh, at Slow and Quiet on Twitter. He says, I can't wait for the new pod. 2018 will arrive in style. I think so. His question is, who is the best sports person ever, and why? <laughs> the best sports person ever. So this is any person... Involved in any way in sports, doesn't have to be a player. Doesn't it could be a player, an owner, a coach, a referee, a reporter. Someone involved in sports, sports person. I I don't know if this is the who pops into your mind first. Was there anyone that, uh, like Ali? That's who popped into my mind, and it wasn't really in my. I don't have any memories of it. It was before my time, yeah. but that's who comes to my mind and I can't really justify it, but I mean, I, I can't justify it from experience. Like I wasn't there. I don't know what he changed, but in like, in my mind, in the history of athletes, he feels like number one. Ties in again to Ron Silver. He was in the <laughs> Ali movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Gotta watch that again pretty good love michael man uh who else there's gotta be wouldn't i guess like howard cosell i don't think so no like announcers if i was gonna go announcers i would probably pick al michaels yeah just as my favorite the one i i identify identify with sports moments but i mean i can't think of anybody that transcended sports more than ali yeah, Michael Jordan is the second uh-huh. that comes to mind, just in terms of, you know, business, movies, transcendent athlete. I think Tiger Woods was on that path. Cornelius Bennett? The Biscuit? <laughs> the the man behind the CB Triple at Burger King. <laughs> Do you remember the CB Triple? Oh, he had is his that own, a Buffalo had, thing? Yeah, he oh, had his man. own... Uh, Burger King sandwich. It was also available in Southern Ontario. Really? The CB Triple. Got to bring that back. 
I'm pretty sure the CB triple was three mini hamburgers that were the br- the buns were joined together. Oh, the, I had those. They those became super popular. Yeah, oh, I thought you, I thought it was a triple burger. Uh, maybe it was. Or, okay, the mini burgers that was really started at the time of Alf. Okay, because I remember the, you could get an Alf combo with the puppets and with those triple burgers. Could you could you get? There was a time where a could teacher you get would Willie take Willie as your toy. No, Elf, you can't have me as the toy. <laughs> it's Trevor, Trevor, and Raquel are here. Elf, you can't eat the cat, Elf. Uh, I love Willie. Max Wright. Yeah. I also played the lawyer on WKRP. Really? Yeah, station lawyer. And, uh, he, owned, and he owned the coffee shop on Friends. So that's a boxing, basketball. I mean, in Canada, it might be Gretzky. Yeah. I think if you trans, most transcendent athlete in Canada would be, or sports person would be Wayne Gretzky. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, in the 70s, you know, Bruno Sammartino was pretty popular in the United States. Pele was up there. He's probably one of them. Uh,. Any... Arnold Palmer? No. no. Baseball? Anyone from baseball? Lou Gehrig? Babe Ruth. But he was kind of a... I don't know if he's the model citizen. Arnold Palmer did have a delicious beverage named after him. That's true. It's very satisfying. I'm trying to think of other Olympic athletes or... Uh... Mary Lou Retton was in Scrooge. Yeah. Maybe uh, Caitlyn Jenner. That's a pretty big one. Back uh, when uh, she was uh, an athlete at the Olympics. Well, and just the, even now looking back. Like well, that's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting one. I, I, I would probably go with Ali, though. Yeah, I think so, too. Or maybe uh, Zeus. Like... Uh, Tiny Zeus Lester? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From Noah's Bard. Yeah, I know. All right. All right so that's uh, pretty much the show. You can uh, leave us your questions and comments uh, on Twitter at Ball Junk Podcast, or you can uh, send us a message uh, directly at Dirty Frank, Three Hours and Dirty, or at The Gas Man Lives. Make sure you subscribe and uh download and uh, give us a nice five-star rating on itunes listen to the podcast you know what you don't even have to listen to it just download it and tell people you love it that's what we really want hi (laughs) (laughs) that is terrible i'm sorry that's all right i forgive you are you ready for the gas pedal yes all right here we go the cfl has announced that they will approve a contract for johnny manzel if the Hamilton Tiger Cats come to an agreement with him, will oh you come God. to a Tiger Cats game with me sure. to see Money Manzel? Yes. yes. I love that. Uh, Michelle Englot's Winnipeg rink will be Team Canada at the 2018 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. As Rachel Holman will be off at the Olympics, did Curling Canada make the right choice? No. Liverpool has a one-point lead over Tottenham Hotspur and Arsenal in the English Premier League. Do the Reds have what it takes to stay in the top four? Top four? Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, 18-year-old Dennis 
Shapovalov's remarkable run at the uh, ATP rankings has earned this tennis player the Lionel Conacher Award <laughs> as the Canadian Press Male Athlete of the Year. Do you agree? No. Who should have been? He, he should not get an award after <laughs> hitting a judge in the head with a ball. Uh, I know it wasn't the same year, I don't think, but he needs to grow up. <laughs> He's only 18. Yeah, he needs to grow up. Japanese baseball star Shohei Otani signed with the Los Angeles Angels and aspires to be a starting pitcher and everyday hitter. Will he be successful at either endeavor? Yes. Which one? Both? Pitching. Pitching only, yes. not hitting. And will the United States retain their gold medal at this year's World Junior Hockey Championship or will another nation dethrone them as champs? Another nation. Will it be Canada? Yes. Will you watch? Probably not. <laughs> That's the show. We'll be back with uh, episode 30 sometime in the, in the brand new year of 2018. Have a safe and happy New Year's Eve. Enjoy your New Year's Day. Thanks for listening. Download the show. See ya. Boss.